Welcome to IRUN Radio. Coming up, overcoming big obstacles on the way to a big win. So it first started years ago. Um, my cousin convinced me to try a Spartan race. Um, and at the time, I wasn't very athletic. <laughs> so I definitely struggled uh, during this race. Um, but when I finished, I just felt so accomplished. Like it, it was a feeling that I had never felt before. And I thought like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. I need to do it again. Running for 24 hours straight. The sun rising, the sunset, the, the magic, the, the start, the, you know, I, I try to, to, I try to enjoy each kilometer, which I didn't do at the beginning. You know, I, what I, I'm trying to do these, these days, the last two ultras at least, is to be in the moment. And a unique vantage point at the finish line. Oh, it's, it's massively inspiring, Mark. I, I, I stand there, you know, on the weekends when I'm working at a finish line, and I, I try and wonder what the stories are. I can't imagine everyone's got their own, you know, their own story of, of why they're there, what they're doing. And this is a big goal for people. That's a long way. When you when you go back to the office on on Monday and you say, I ran a marathon or I ran or I rode my bike 100 miles, people kind of look at you and they go, you, you did what? On this edition of I Run Radio, we're going to talk to the incredible Morgan McKay, who just won the world's toughest mudder race, an obstacle race that took almost 24 hours. And this was not long after she struggled to finish another race. Also, Bruno St-Pierre, who runs marathons and ultra-marathons and 24-hour races. And we'll check in with race announcer Steve Fleck, who gets to see thousands of runners cross the finish line almost every weekend. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of iRun, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. How are you? I'm feeling great. Thank you. Have you had some good runs this week, Ben? That's the that's the important question we have to ask at this time every week. I had I had one of those runs that just makes you believe in the whole this whole crazy endeavor. <laughs> I'm glad I to raced, hear it. Yeah, Tell yeah. me more. I, yeah, thank you. I will. I raced the Tannenbaum 10K last Sunday, and this is a sort of a small local event. Um, put on in the beaches area on the east side of the city. And it's only a 10K, and it's been going for a couple of years. But, you know, it's not one of these big gala events. Yeah. You know, but but, but the runners who come out love it, you know. But it's uh, – anyway, we raced last Sunday in this sort of weather where flights couldn't land and, you know, ice skating was canceled for the kids. And it's just, you know, if – if you can stay in the house, stay in the house, the news anchor said. Yeah. But, you know, me and about, I don't know, 1,300, 1,500 others went out there and doing it in that weather. You know, you're obviously not looking at your watch. You're, I mean, you're just trying to sort of finish this thing. And it was only 10K. But somehow the joy de vivre amongst the troops was something uh, that really, you know, it's one of those things that just makes it special. Like a camping trip when it rains and you make it through to the other side and the team that you went camping with, you know, you're, you're that yeah. much more bonded for it. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think experiences like that are great, especially if you are married to the watch and you're taking qualifying for Boston or something over seriously that you forget just the sheer exhilaration of being a kid outside in the snow and running around. Yeah. I love it. 
Look, I've got yeah. four things to say about that. Number one, uh, <laughs> you know, nobody should ever take qualifying for Boston too seriously, right? Am I right? Yeah. 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 Look at me. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Follow my example on that one, right? Because <laughs> I never took yeah. it seriously. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't get obsessed with that at all. Uh, number two, I, I'm going to take that recording of you saying Joy de Vivre, and I'm going to, like, that's going to be my ringtone for you, I think, going forward. Because <laughs> if there's one thing that separates uh, Canadians from Americans, it's pronouncing that phrase. <laughs> you almost make it sound Spanish. I love it. All right. So yeah. number three, I've been in Canada for like twenty years, and I haven't lost the my accent. The longer I stay here, the more pronounced my accent gets. Right. I don't know what yeah. that is. Yeah, it's charming. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I you know you know how much I love New York. So you know. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Number three, I love the neighborhood races, right? I, yeah, I love, you yeah, know, you do those. N- not yeah. every race has to be 20,000 people, right? Not every That's race right. has to have big sponsors and medals and T-shirts and crowds. And, you know, right. in fact, there ought to be more of these things, right? There ought to That's be right. more, you know, next Sunday, we're just going to all do a 10K. That's and right. if 300 people show up, that's fantastic. I love that's that right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. number four. I think this might be the first week in a long time that Toronto got more winter weather than Ottawa. Because I know my wife was in Toronto earlier this week. She sent me a picture from her hotel room window, and there was snow on the ground, and there wasn't snow on the ground in Ottawa. You guys got a storm, and we didn't. And that almost never happens. It's usually the other way around, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it is just... it. You know, you got to remember to have fun with this stuff. You know, so much is about the fanciest sneakers and the new yeah. blah, blah, blah. And that stuff is great, you know, let I, you know, wonderful. Let it go. But sometimes, too, just go play, you know, Absolutely. just go play. And, and, and when you see that spirit, that camaraderie, you know, it was just, you know, I think everybody out there, there was nowhere we would have rather been. Although, actually, that's not true. I probably would have rather been in Hawaii or kind of anywhere else. But <laughs> I was, since we were stuck there, uh, it was terrific. And, you know, yeah. hats off to the organizers and hats off to everybody who went out there. You know, the, the nine or 13 people who were out there cheering and whatever whatever cornflakes they were eating that morning that make you want to go out and do that. But, yeah. you know, there's people for it. And uh, just just great. You know, just just a beautiful look for the sport you know what it evokes for me the winterman marathon that i've run the last couple of years in ottawa right that's specifically planned for winter a winter day in february and sometimes it's actually not that bad i've run it in shorts because it's been warm enough and in other years it's been minus 35 and everybody goes out makes the most of it nobody's trying to set any records uh but there's just this kind of spirit of you know what we're we're conquering the elements we're we're, that's it you know i love that yeah yeah, yeah, and you need that, you know, because it's like, all right, it's, let's just say we were talking about Boston. I mean, these races are coming up months from now. So what are you going to do, you know, yeah. especially, or, you know, the holidays and everything and the food and the, oh, God, the kids, you know, what are you going to do? It's like, uh, 10K, please sign me up. You yeah, know, we need exactly. to keep participating in this stuff and enjoying. Right on. Yeah, so good week. Absolutely. All right, we've got a great show coming up. Among other guests, we're going to be talking to Morgan McKay, who's uh, got a great story about how she had a horrible experience at one obstacle race and then went out and won one the next weekend uh, when she signed up at the last minute. Great story. Ben, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it, my friend.
That's Ben Kaplan, IREN's editor and general manager. Coming up next, how Morgan McKay went from a setback to a world championship in just days. This winter, participate in the biggest winter multi-sport event in the world, solo or in a team relay. Complete on a continuous basis the five disciplines of the pentathlon. Cycling, running, Nordic skiing, skating, and snowshoeing. Choose between 17 different challenges. There's one for you. The Pentathlon des Neiges of Quebec, presented by MEC from February 22nd to March 1st on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City. Be part of it. Morgan McKay is a champion obstacle course athlete from Ottawa, and she also runs an obstacle course training center. She recently won the world's toughest mutter, and it happened very shortly after another race that didn't go so well. Morgan, thank you for joining us on iRun Radio. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. So tell me how this passion of yours for obstacle racing began. Where did it get started? Um, so it first started years ago. Uh, my cousin convinced me to try a Spartan race uh, in Ottawa, and it was uh, a five-kilometer sprint. Um, and at the time, I wasn't very athletic, <laughs> So I definitely struggled uh, during this race. Um, but when I finished, I just felt so accomplished. Like it, it was a feeling that I had never felt before. And I thought like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. Like this feeling that I have, um, I need to do it again. <laughs> so I went home and I researched anything to do. Uh, with obstacle course racing and I thought hey like I wonder if I trained for this if I might be kind of good at it so I've just um I just got really really passionate and I've just sort of dedicated you know the last six or seven years of my life um trying to get um competitive with this on the elite level um and it's also become you know part of my career um because I work at an obstacle training gym doing uh boot camps personal training and online coaching so it's just become like a huge passion of mine that like i never expected years ago (laughs) so this is your life now basically right (laughs) yeah it's just become my life you know it's like i found a passion that drives me and i've just kind of gone full force with it Good for you. And so what is it about obstacle racing in particular that you like so much? Because uh, we talk to lots of people, of course, who love running 10Ks and half marathons and marathons without having to climb over anything while they're doing it. Uh, what is it <laughs> What is it you like about this kind of racing? Um, what I love about it is that it's always different. Um, I mean, like, I am starting to learn to enjoy running, but what I love the most is obstacles. I love the feeling of being able to pull myself over a wall or do monkey bars. It's just, like, an incredible, empowering feeling to feel strong. And I just, like, I love training for it. I love the journey. I love the places that I get to travel. Like, I've been all around the world um, getting to try um, the hardest races and it's just like it's just so much fun I just I love it <laughs> it's like recess for adults <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to put it and and the way you describe it I think is is very powerful because whether it's uh, it's road racing or it's obstacle racing or it's trail racing uh, you know no matter what it is it's about that that feeling of 
being able to finish something, to start something and finish something that is tough. And it's almost like we are, I think we're kind of wired for that as human beings, right? That we, we want to take on challenges and, and we want to face obstacles and overcome them, both physically and metaphorically. Yeah, absolutely. You said it perfectly. So tell me a little bit about the training you have to do to, to be so good at this. Um, so my training is pretty crazy. Um, I have a couple of coaches. I have Raise the Hab in Ottawa and Yancey Culp, um, who lives in the States, and also my boyfriend. And it's just like the training that I do is crazy. Like I, I train um, in the mountains doing a lot of running because running for 24 hours it's a lot of running and impact. Um, And then also I'm fortunate enough to work at an obstacle training gym. So I'm able to practice the obstacles daily, which is amazing. So I would say I train about six days a week, anywhere from one to three hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and you've gone well beyond that first race that you did, which was uh, a bit of a short obstacle race. Uh, and now you're doing these events that that uh, sometimes last 24 hours. So uh, that's obviously a, a, a completely different level of endurance challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely different. Like it's crazy to look back on you know where I was when I had done that first race. You know, it was 5k, and to me, like it just felt like absolute death. I just remember you know hiking up this ski hill at 2 p.m. with the blazing hot sun and thinking, like, I don't know how I can do this. Um, And then going into, you know, 24-hour races, um, it's just been, like, an insane transformation for myself. Yeah. And and so let's talk a little bit about uh, this experience you had this year where you you ended up participating in two different events that were kind of about a week apart, right? Let's, Let's tell that story. Yeah, so it's probably, like been the most insane two weeks of my entire life um what i had done was there is the spartan ultra world championships it's a 24-hour race in sweden um which is a week before um world's toughest mutter a 24-hour race they're both competing um companies that put on their world event um a week apart so people have to kind of choose which one they're going to aim for. I had chosen the Spartan race, and that's what I had put, you know, all of my uh, training uh, into. It unfortunately didn't go well for me. I was about 12 hours into the race, and I had slipped and I fell, and I hit my head on ice. Um, And I started failing a ton of obstacles. So when I had... Yeah, it was a really weird experience. Like, I just, I wasn't feeling um, well. I was just super off. So I had come in after my lap, and I had to do 120 burpees as a penalty for failing some of the obstacles on the course. So I'm there, and I'm doing my burpees, and I'm getting, like, this insane vertigo, and I'm feeling really, really dizzy and awful. And my boyfriend was there, and he called over a medic just to keep an eye on me. And as I'm doing these burpees, I'm just feeling like absolute, like, crap. I'm really dizzy. Uh, at one point, I fell onto the ground. And um, I still, I, I finished my burpees. Um, and then the medical staff assessed me, and they were uncomfortable with me continuing just because I had hit my head, and I was also showing, uh, you know, 
symptoms of being uh, dizzy. Sure, yeah. So they didn't, they didn't like that, and, like, I completely respected their call, and they told me, you know, like, you can walk over there to the finish line, um, and then we want to have you um, professionally checked, which we did. Um, and I was okay. Like, <laughs> everything's okay. Okay, I was, good. I, I was fine. Yeah, I was fine. Um, just, you know, a bump on the head and, you know, running for 12 hours is going to make anybody uh, <laughs> pretty dizzy. Um so, but like, I came home and I just felt really awful because, you know, I had been training all year and I was like expecting a really good performance at this race. And <clears throat> I just felt really like empty and unsatisfied because I had been, you know, training so long. And then all of a sudden this little light bulb goes off and it was like, hey, <laughs> you should go and, uh, you know, that world toughest mudder race that you've attempted seven times and have not done very well at, you should go and give that a try. <laughs> and then I just kept playing with this idea thinking, oh my gosh, this is absolutely insane. Like world's toughest mudder has like completely kicked my butt in the past. Like it's just, I've had anything from hypothermia to a concussion, to stomach issues, to injuries, like just a ton of things that has basically made me not want to go back. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? I've trained all year. I feel really, really good. Nobody knows I'm coming. I have zero expectations of anybody else because I think, honestly, it was starting to get in my head <clears throat> and I was overthinking um, just performance you know, in general, and I just really wanted to go um, and just give the course my absolute best. Right. And I thought, you know, wherever I come out, that's fine. As long as I know that I've given my absolute best, I'll be super happy with that. And like, oh my gosh, am I ever so glad I went. <laughs> so tell us what happened. Yeah, so what happened was um, I won. I got 80 miles. And it was probably the most fun race I've ever experienced. I think just because I had, like, no pressure. I just had, um, like, a really, really good time running. Um, they had an amazing format this year. They introduced a lot of fun things. Like, one of the obstacles, they had thrown in a bunch of uh, rubber duckies. Because <laughs> it's like a, a water obstacle where you have to push these um, giant blocks in water you have to physically get up and over them and it requires a lot of teamwork to do this they have these rubber duckies floating in the water and you take a duck <laughs> and at the end of your loop you hand it in to um the race director and he'll tell you if that's like uh a winner or not <laughs> wow and so like it just yeah so it just means you know it's a 24-hour race and they just made the race like really really fun by adding in like a whole bunch of different elements like that but you went from not planning to participate in this event to deciding basically a few days before the event that you were going to go to winning the event, right? Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. And, and, and thank you. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. And look, what what I think the the biggest lesson of that is, uh, first of all, obviously you were in terrific shape and you were ready to go and you were prepared and and all of that. But also, there is something to be said for sometimes when you're in that situation where you're not feeling pressure and you got nothing to lose and you go for it and it all works out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it just, I just, it was calling to my heart to go. 
you know, and like you said, I had nothing to lose. Nobody knew I was going until the start line, basically. <laughs> so it just, it really helped me mentally, like you said, just because I had felt a lot of pressure in the past. And it's not necessarily like pressure from anybody else, but just a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself. It was just really nice to get out of my head and just enjoy the course for what it was. Well, congratulations. It's an incredible accomplishment. And I don't know how you do these races because I, you know, I, I find it uh, challenging enough just to run without anything being in my way. <laughs> so <laughs> what you do is uh, is amazing and inspiring. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. And congratulations again on the big win. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time. That's Morgan McKay of Ottawa coming up next, running for 24 hours straight. This winter, participate in the biggest winter multi-sport event in the world, solo or in a team relay. Complete on a continuous basis the five disciplines of the pentathlon. Cycling, running, Nordic skiing, skating, and snowshoeing. Choose between 17 different challenges. There's one for you. The Pentathlon des Neiges of Quebec, presented by MEC from February 22nd to March 1st on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City. Be part of it. Bruno St-Pierre told me in an email that he was just an ordinary runner, but I disagree with that. Bruno finished third in a 24-hour event recently in Gatineau and then finished second in another 24-hour event in London, Ontario, setting a personal best in the process. Bruno, welcome to Iron Radio. Thank you very much for your time. So d- tell me how you got into running and how you decided to take on these 24-hour races. Uh, well, I, I ran a few marathons, and uh, I was in a running club, and there was a lady in the club that uh, she was about 65 years old, and uh, she she was a very good runner. I think she qualified for the national team, and she was running around uh, uh, a, a track, racetrack, uh, races up to 24 hours, and I, I tried it for 12 hours, and I it was fascinating to me to see uh, to see those people running in circles. I, I just didn't get it, but I, I tried the first time, and... And then I, I, I tried a 24-hour race after that, and I, I liked it, just pushing myself and uh, trying to see uh, how far I can go. Yeah. So uh, tell me what the experience is like of of running for 24 hours straight. And and uh, and many of these events, as you describe it, they're, they're, they take place on tracks, right? So you're not running for 24 hours on roads. You're you're just running in circles for an entire day, right? Yeah, well, I did. I, I only did a twelve hours, a uh, twelve hour race on on a track. The other ultras I ran, I ran nine uh, nine twenty four hour races, and uh, it was a uh, up to uh, well from a mile to uh, to five kilometers. So, okay, uh, it's it's different because you know each each lap is is different. The sun is different. You you notice different things. Uh, every lap you meet great people. You know, instead of going from point A to point B. Uh, you get to see uh, to see people that are very uh, very great runners. You know, uh, it, it's different. You know, when you, you have other sports, uh, even if you play hockey, you cannot necessarily play hockey with uh, NHL players. But while you run as a runner, you, you can run uh, with, with people that are national team members and uh, and very good runners. So th- this this is different. There's a camaraderie that you don't see in the, in other sports. Yeah. And and especially in an event like this, where you're sharing the same loop over and over again with this group of runners, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, you you can have uh, ups and downs, of course, like like in marathons. But you have multiple ups and downs, and then the the secret is not to go too high or too low. And and 
just cheering others and being cheered, cheered up by by other runners is a is a great thing. So I, I like that that spirit. It's it's different, that's for sure. What's the preparation like? How do you prepare for a twenty four hour race? Well, um, I'm a little bit atypical in the sense that I just wanted to push my limits. The first ones, the last last. 24-hour race, I, I ran a little bit more than than usual, but usually my marathons are, are my training training runs for my uh, my ultras. So okay. uh, I I run about 10 to 15, maybe up, even up to 20 marathons a year. So my long runs are the marathons. But the last one I ran in, in September in London, uh, I, I for me it was a high mileage uh, up to about 150 160 kilometers per week. But but this is uh, unusual for me, and it's not that much for for, uh, for great runners who run a lot more than that. Yeah. For me, that was my maximum. So. so you do 15 to 20 marathons per year. Now, is that meaning in training, or you actually enter 15 to 20 marathon races per year? Yeah, it's races, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the, mo- the most I did was 20, 21 ultras or marathons, but uh, I think this year I'm about to 13 or 14. I'm not even sure. I mean, I'm counting <laughs> them, but it's it's not the point. I mean, I'm doing that for fun, you know. Yeah, and th- those marathons uh, are a way of preparing yourself for these longer events. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. and uh, preparing for longer events or just just to disconnect and, and to connect to to myself, you know, and, and push myself, so. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not to qualify for Boston, you know, not, <laughs> not, not now. But have you run some interesting marathon races along the way? Oh yeah, of course, of course. I mean, I, I ran the fifty states and, uh, and the ten provinces, so wow. some of the races were great. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I have each each one is, is special in the sense that the most important one is the one I, I will do next. The most pleasant one was the one I did before, you know. So even if they're they're smaller, bigs, I run New York, Chicago, uh, LA, uh, um, uh, but but the size is not necessarily the uh, the, the most important uh, topic or, or item for me. You know, it's it's just the uh, just being there and in the moment is is what I, I like the most. Yeah, those marathons. And so you did you've run marathons in all fifty states and all ten Canadian provinces. Yes. Wow. I, yeah. Congratulations. That's phenomenal. No, thank you. So let's yeah, talk about two of your recent 24-hour races. Uh, you did one here in the Ottawa area in Gatineau, correct? And you finished third? Yes. Tell me about that event. Yeah, it was very warm. It's in July. You know, it's uh, called the Transcendence Run. So it, it, it's uh, it's very well organized. It's been on for more than 30 years. So um, And we're running, running around a, a track, so or not a track, but a uh, uh, it's a uh, Astiku Center, so uh, it's it's what I like about those races is that that you you, you have your checkpoints and you can wait uh, and and stop whenever you want to eat to change your clothes if it's too warm. I had to change several times because it was uh, I think it was more than 35 degrees with the uh, humidity, so it was tough. But but I finished and and you know it's just you, you have to deal with the the weather and uh, the the unexpected. It's something that you don't don't control. So it didn't go as well as I wanted. I wanted to do a PB, and uh, I ran a little bit shorter than the 175 kilometers. But, uh, of course, yeah, I did the ups and downs, and I, I tried to do uh, even splits, and I did, actually, for that one, which is a little bit unusual for me. So I had a few ups, a few downs, but bottom line, I finished in one part, and I, I worked the next day. So that's the, that was the key, key thing for me is to be able to, to walk and, and to go to work the next day, you know. So you ran for 24 hours straight, and then you went to work the next day. 
Yeah, actually, it was on a on a Saturday morning, and uh, yeah, it finished on a Sunday. So I, I worked on the the Monday. Yes. Okay. Wow. Uh, and and of course, in these races, it is about distance and not time, right? You're you're running for 24 hours, and it's how far you can go in the 24 hours. That's it, absolutely. Yes. And you did 175 kilometers. Yeah, I think 174.5, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Wow, mm-hmm. that's incredible. And then you went off to another event in in London. Is that right? Yeah, London, Ontario. It's, uh, it was the Canadian Championship. It went a little bit better. I was with two of my friends, and uh, we each did a podium. But uh, I, I was uh, I was stuck at a little bit shorter than 175 for uh, I think five times, and I ran 188 uh, wow. kilometers. So it went better, but I didn't have any uh, any high ups or, or low downs. So I, I tried to be more even. But uh, you know, I felt. I, had, I left with the feeling that I could do better than that, so it's it's strange, you know. It's sometimes I I was very happy, of course, but I, I know I can do better than that. So that that's the magic of the uh, ultras, you know. You can you train and uh, and and you you push your limits, and and some days goes goes well, and uh, other days goes a little bit uh, well, not bad, but you know you you do your best every time, and and it's just not just the distance; it was just pushing yourself and and being able to. To feel that you've done everything you could uh, after the race. And what struggles do you go through? What challenges do you face uh, during a twenty-four hour race like that? Uh, the, what are what are the what's different between that and a marathon? Well, I mean, you, you have you hit walls just like in marathons, but it's you have pains, cramps, and a few things. And, and the, I think for me, the toughest part is is to find the right uh, right recipe for eating. You know, you, gels can can last for for so long. You know, you cannot have gels for twenty four hours. So I haven't found found the uh, magic formula for me yet. You know, so sometimes um, I, I try to get keto diet, so uh, so I, I could push. The carbs uh, for as um, or wait for as long as possible before eating carbs. So I haven't found the best uh, the best strategy yet for 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 that for eating. But uh, I'm I'm still testing, you know. So uh, I'll do better next time. I'll try different things. And for some days it works well. Other days when it's warm like that, like or, or hot like it was and humid in Ottawa, um, it, it's difficult to find the right yeah. recipe. At least for me, you know. And uh, tell me the the moments you enjoy during these events. Well, the, I mean, the sun rising, the sunset, the, the magic, the, the start. The you know, I, I try to, to I try to enjoy each kilometer, which I didn't do at the beginning. You know, I, I, we tend to 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 calculate and and we have objectives, and sometimes it goes a little bit. Uh, well, we have we have a little bit of a, a few challenges. But but I what I, I'm trying to do these these days the last two ultras at least is to be in the moment and and to be able to go one hour at a time and not, I wouldn't say one pace at a time because it would be long but one step at a time but it's it's, it's more the you try to be in the moment uh, every hour and and if it goes bad you just stretch and you start again and uh, and you you carry on you know so that's that's what I like about it. That's uh, incredible. So, what's next? What have you got planned? Well, I'm training for. It, it's a little bit different. It's, it's called ba- Paris by Night. So it's in Paris, uh, of course. It's an 80 kilometer run, but it's it's a group run, so it's not a race. Uh, I heard I heard about it from a friend of mine, uh, Lydia, and 
Um, uh, I heard a po po podcast from uh, one of the uh, the organizer. Uh, he's a French guy and uh, he's a very good runner. So it's a group run, uh, 50 runners running that by, by night, so 80 kilometers, and we we go through a hundred monuments during the night. But we need to be to run together about the 10k pace, that uh, 10 kilometer per hour pace. So it's slow, but it's uh, it's tough to be constant for me and uh, and keep that pace. So it's going to be challenging. I think about 20% of the uh, participants uh, finish the race. Wow. Uh, I hope to be in, the, in that. Uh, that <laughs> of course. Well, congratulations, Bruno, on all the amazing things you've done. It's so inspiring and impressive. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. Thank you so much, Mark. That's Bruno St. Pierre. Coming up next, seeing it all from the finish line. This winter, participate in the biggest winter multi-sport event in the world, solo or in a team relay. Complete on a continuous basis the five disciplines of the pentathlon. Cycling, running, Nordic skiing, skating, and snowshoeing. Choose between 17 different challenges. There's one for you. The Pentathlon des Neiges of Quebec, presented by MEC from February 22nd to March 1st on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City. Be part of it. When you cross the finish line at a race in Canada, there's a good chance you'll hear the voice of Steve Fleck. Steve does race announcing at dozens of events every year. That's given him a great perspective on everything from historic performances by elite athletes to inspiring runs in the rest of the field. Steve, welcome once again to I Run Radio. Always a pleasure, Mark. Uh, love talking running, love I Run, and uh, everything... Uh that you and the team do, and uh, yeah, what a what a great year it's been. We were just talking about that. It's just been a sensational year for running in Canada across the board. Yeah, and you have such a great vantage point for that as uh, an announcer and as an ambassador for the sport and getting to go to so many different events over the course of the year. Uh, just tell me a little bit about what it's like seeing the finish line from your perspective, watching everybody from elite athletes to the people at the back of the pack crossing the finish line and achieving their goals. Absolutely. I, I, I'm in a, a very unique position, Mark. I, I, I get to kind of see it all. I, you know, I see, you know, the big mass participation events, um, things like the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon or some of the other larger, uh, you know, endurance sports events I look at. People at the middle of the pack, at the back of the pack. We don't know what their life stories are. You know, maybe five years ago they were doing nothing and smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, and now they're finishing a 10K or a half marathon or a half Ironman distance triathlon. These are significant achievements for these people. And, and, and I have massive respect, you know, for that, and I'm hugely inspired, you know, working at a finish line to see these people, you know, achieving their goals. And... I also get to, you know, have a peek in on the inside of the high performance, you know, world of things and see the, the great things that, that some of our very best runners and track and field athletes in, in Canada are doing. And, and as I, I hinted at, it was an extraordinary, you know, year this year with, with many records, many great performances and culminating with five, you know, five medals uh, for Canada at the IAAF World Track and Field Championships at Doha just a month and a bit ago. Yeah, and and I get the sense, you know, there there's been sort of uh, there have been different cycles to the sport of running in Canada, and I know 
for many years now, we've been experiencing this growth and uh, in participation among amateur athletes, but that hasn't necessarily corresponded to success in international competition and records being broken. Even some of the Canadian records uh, for the marathon, the men's and women's records, stood for a really long time, decades in both cases. Now they've both been broken. It seems like there's been a real... Uh, resurgence in in ex- really extraordinary talent among elite runners in Canada. Yeah, you've touched on a couple of things. I think mass participation and the numbers of people you know running are uh, a positive and a net contributor to that, although not necessarily. So, I mean, as you know, to rise to the to the world class level takes a whole other level of of commitment and performance. So. You know, having you know all those runners and people running and taking part is, is is helpful, but it's really you know the part of the individual athletes themselves and their support teams and their coaches that, that drive them on to those truly sort of you know top level and extraordinary performances. Some of which we saw, you know, this year. Uh, you know, Mohamed, um, you know, broke the both the five thousand and the ten thousand meter you know records this year for for men in Canada. A phenomenal, um, you know, bronze medal in Doha at the World Championships. Gabriella Debu Stafford. I mean, she went on an absolute record rampage and rewrote the entire middle distance running record book for women in Canada, starting back at the indoor season. And then that culminated, you know, for her, doesn't sound great, a sixth, at, you know, in Doha at the IWF World Championships. But that was one of the most extraordinary and greatest 1500 meter finals of all time, you know, for women, you know, at um, the Olympic Games or the IWF World Track and Field Championship. So, you know, for her to finish sixth, you know, in that race is pretty, you know, pretty darn Im- impressive. And, you know, that's everything we're doing in Canada. We're doing a lot of the right things, you know, with, you know, with support money now going in on the podium, you know, is helping out with those athletes who are just off the podium coming out of, you know, university age, you know, running and in their sort of mid and early 20s, that's a critical time. And if you're good enough and you're in that top, you know, 10, 15 in the world that own the podium money is kind of directed your way. And often that's that little bit of extra help that can push you, you know, through to the higher level. So, yeah, a lot of things going, you know, going in the right direction. Interestingly enough, I mean, mass participation running has kind of flattened out. And we see this, like all the you know, running races in, in Canada right now are kind of flat. In fact, I was at the Running USA conference, which is a large sort of trade conference for people in the uh, the racing event business, running event business, if you will. And numbers in the U.S., and I'm sure the Canadian numbers are not that much different, running participation numbers. So these are actually races where people have pinned on a bib number from a 5K all the way up to a marathon. We're down 1% last year so in 2018 was the last year that they have they've got in stats on so so things are relatively flat right now we're not growing uh the overall numbers are great but it's it's flat yeah we've been talking about the elite athletes the high performance athletes but uh, let's talk a little bit more about the amateur athletes that are in the races you call and tell me a little bit about the experience of seeing all those people cross the finish line and knowing that they're fulfilling a goal, ticking a box, knowing uh, the road behind them, all of the training that they put into it, uh, all of the effort, what it means to them, how witnessing that, uh, you must you must be inspired by seeing uh, hundreds and hundreds of runners crossing the finish line uh, en masse at all these events that you describe. Oh, it's, it's massively inspiring, Mark. I, I, I stand there 
you know, on the weekends when I'm working at a finish line and I, I try and wonder what the stories are. I can't imagine everyone's got their own, you know, their own story of, of why they're there, what they're doing, but that's what, you know, running events or cycling events, you know, I, I work at a, a number of Grand Fondo races where it's a hundred, you know, might be a hundred kilometers or a hundred miles. And this is a big goal for people. And that's a long way when you, when you go back to the office on, on Monday and you say, I ran a marathon or I ran, or I rode my bike a hundred miles, people kind of look at you and they go, you, you did what? And, and not, not that it's a, you're on some ego trip, but I think people are genuinely, uh, you know, impressed when they, when they see a fellow human being that is, that has transported their body, you know, be it running or, or on a bicycle, you know, that far. And it, it's kind of mind boggling to them. And not that everyone needs to do that. Um, anyone who gets out and does any kind of additional physical activity is, is a good thing. I mean, we have an epidemic of, of inactivity, you know, in the country across all of North America, Canada, and the U.S. right now. So anyone getting out and being, you know, more physically active, and even if it's running a 5K, it's a great thing. We, we all need to be sort of more, you know, more physically active. But, yeah, standing at the finish line is extraordinarily inspiring, and I – I, I try to sort of you know, bring as much enthusiasm as I can, you know, to the situation. That's a great opportunity for me to sort of connect with as many people as, as I can and hopefully make it a great experience for them. Because I often say this to, to race directors, race directors think that they're in the race and the event management business, but really the business that they are in is the experience business. Right. They, they're providing the platform for a great experience for all of their participants. Any highlights from this year for you, Steve, that you haven't touched on already? Are there moments that stand out, memories for you that you will take from 2019? Well, Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon, I mean, when Trevor Hoffbauer and Dania Piterowski ran those phenomenal uh, performances, both massive PVs. I mean, most people, if you said, well, you know, they both ran about seven or seven minutes, I think, for, for Trevor and six minutes for, for Dana you know, faster than the personal best. I mean, you've run a few marathons, Mark. You know how just taking a couple minutes off of your 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 best time is, is a big deal. But at that level, to take six minutes and seven minutes off, yeah. it's just extraordinary. And they both got the Olympic qualifying standard. So the, the carrot was kind of out there for them, and they went after it, and they had to really gamble, and they both did. They gambled early on in the race, and they just kind of hung on. And that was... That was for sure. That's like a double highlight. Um, you know, another big highlight for me was, you know, again, it's just a, a race of many races I got to call this year was the the women's 800 meter final at, at the national championships in Montreal at the Claude Robillard uh, Center. Um, Melissa Bishop was making her her big comeback, and you know, was expected to win. She had had the fastest time going in, and she didn't. And Madeline Kelly came out of nowhere. And this is the, the thrill, you know, as a commentator announcer, is the unknown. And, and Madeline Kelly provided, you know, that moment where, uh, like, with 100 meters to go, I think she was almost last place. And she just ran through the whole field. And the look on her face, Mark, when she came across the finish line, she was not one of the favorites. Um, no one was talking about her. We didn't talk about her in pre-race you know, about being a potential podium placer, but you won the race and you, you live for those moments. You live for those moments as an athlete and you live for those moments as a commentator because it, it, it brings out the sort of the, the extraordinary 
uh, in it, and you love to tell those stories. Right on. Well, you've told a lot of stories this year, and you've been part of a lot of stories. I know for the runners who participate in the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon and in so many other events that you call, hearing your voice at the finish line is is part of their journey. It's part of feeling like they've ticked that box, completed that race, achieved their goal. So it's great to hear you talk about all of this stuff, uh, Steve, and, uh, and to share your unique vantage point with us. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, Mark. That's race announcer Steve Fleck. In the weeks ahead on iRun Radio, we'll talk more about the joy of the neighborhood event. And we'll look back at some of the biggest accomplishments of the year for Canadian runners. I hope you can join us next week on iRun Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.